places to volunteer, so volunteer for Pete's sake, all right? You know, we've, been, we've had a rough couple of years here, if you think about it. Uh, February, uh, I remember Gil asking me something about this little virus that we had heard about, February 2020, and, uh, and there's this little virus that people started talking about, and, and, uh, and, and so uh, all of a sudden, it seemed like within two weeks, the world shut down. And, uh, and, you know, the, uh, hopefully I'm not bringing back traumatic <laughs> memories to everybody, but the world shut down. If you'd ever told me that we wouldn't have, uh, you know, none of this stuff, Mardi Gras the next year, whatever, uh, because I never would have believed it. If you'd have told me the world economy, that they wouldn't have been having Saints games and all, all that kind of stuff, that, uh, you know, I would have never believed it or thought it. But it happened. The world shut down, and, you know, the president shut down the borders and ordered everybody to stay home, and, and we went into a two- or three-month lockdown. Now, Pastor Kathy and I cheated. We walked the neighborhood all the time. But I did talk to people that didn't go outside their house for a month or two. And, and uh, you know, because the, the news media made you think, well, it's just in the air everywhere. You'll catch it if you stick your head out of your window. But um, we actually uh, walked and, and, and took that time for some health stuff as well. But, uh, you know, the isolation, along with the news of so many people that we probably knew or even relatives dying, really took a toll on people and, uh, and caused a lot of, of despair and grief. And, uh, and so then, then the vaccine came out. We got vaccinated, and I'll take the, I'll take the booster when they let me get the booster. And, and uh, things started getting better, and then we had this last surge. And uh, it's really bad in Louisiana, and some of the states were, were under-vaccinated, but, but uh, it, got, it got, got bad again. And then, on top of all that, throw in a Category 4 hurricane. You know, we're sitting here with, with people having COVID like crazy. The hospitals are full. I mean, the hospitals down here are full. And then you have a Cat 4 hurricane, and they tell everybody, run away, leave. And so, you know, it's, I'm surprised that the other states didn't have state patrol at the border saying, no, 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 all y'all coronavirus people, y'all staying down there. But everybody left. We evacuated, and and got out, and, and, um, and so you've, you've got all that. And then the, this hurricane will make people stop saying Katrina. You know, we're going to start talking about, remember when Ida came through. And, uh, and it's the same date, so it's easy to celebrate, you know, or remember. And uh, Ida, from everybody I've talked to that stayed, was way worse than, than Katrina storm-wise. Katrina, we know the flood was terrible, but Ida blew stuff down. I mean, uh, my neighbor was telling me how he was at home, and they were looking out one of their windows, and they were watching my roof do this, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and parts of it, and, and then he said, then it went back down, and I said, well, that's good, you know, and, um, and so then, you know, and it was crazy, you know, and uh, then among all this, you know, the, the pandemic and all, we had politics get involved. How many of you know in America, we love politics, right? I used to say in Louisiana, we love politics, uh, you know, and, um, you know, we keep reelecting our crooked politicians. Uh, where I grew up in Georgia, we put them in prison, but, you know, but we had them. And, uh, and so, unfortunately, just like everything in America, the, 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 uh, the pandemic got political. I actually ran into people that thought it was something Trump was doing to get reelected. He said, every president has a crisis. I said, dude, this is Europe, Russia, China, uh, Asia, everywhere. This is way bigger than... Trump would ever hope to be, or Biden, or whoever, you know, and, 
And so we got political, and so you've got a lot of grief and despair on that. And, uh, you know, all of this has just caused a lot of emotional anguish in people. And, uh, and, and you see it when people are cutting in line and getting shot in a gas line over a five-gallon can of gas. Uh, it's incredible, that, that anger, that frustration that's there. And it was, it was already there before the storm. The storm just exacerbated it. And, uh, and so we want to we see how can we get past that. I, you know, I can't do anything about the weather. I probably can predict it about as good as the weatherman. This is the first time in a while they've been right, you know. I mean, and unfortunately it was on a Category 4 hurricane that's coming. But I can't do anything about the politics and I can't do anything about the pandemic. But I do believe with all my heart that God's word is true. And Jesus said, I have come to give you a rich and satisfying life. The thief wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you a rich and satisfying life. Even with all this other stuff going, even with pandemic, even with crazy politics, even with, with a hurricane, we can have a rich and satisfying life. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. And, and, uh, and I want to remind you here at River Church, we want you to... Uh, even though we're talking about how to be happy no matter what, part of that is we want you to know Jesus. We want you to find freedom, and we want you to discover your purpose, and we want you to make a difference. And so, you know, those are, that's kind of where we are. We want you to know God. We want you to know Jesus, find freedom, discover our purpose, and make a difference in people's lives. And I think as we do that, we can begin to live that rich and satisfying life. And, uh, and, and do that. So today, we're talking about how to be happy no matter what. And so whenever you talk about happiness, there's one book in the Bible that everybody loves. What's that book? Philippians. It's the happy book. Uh, you know, Paul wrote it, and, and Paul knew how to be happy in other situations, probably more than anybody, because he was in rough situations. I mean, um, and so we're going to look at that. So let's just read with me in verse 27 of chapter 1 of Philippians. It says, he's, Paul writes this. He said, above all. Now, that's above all. That's above a hurricane. That's above a pandemic. That's above politics. That's above prejudice. That's above anything. Above all, you must live as what? Citizens of heaven. I'm proud to be an American. This is the greatest country in the history of the world, but I'm... Uh, I'm a citizen of a bigger country. I'm a citizen of heaven. And he said, you've got to live as a citizen of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. That means when I'm in line for gas, I've got to conduct myself in a manner worthy of Christ. When I'm, when I'm talking to somebody uh, in, in line, I've got to conduct myself in a manner that's worthy of Christ. <clears throat> you know, we've, we've got to do that. And, and too easy, it's too easy not to. Unfortunately, too many people have not. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thrown a pity party? Anybody besides me? Ever thrown a pity party? I mean, pity parties, you're not really having a good time when you're having a pity party. You're just kind of being pitiful, right? I mean, you know, you, it's not fun. I mean, some of y'all are really good at throwing them, and, and we throw them on Facebook so everybody in the world can see. But, I mean, you know, when you, you don't feel good when you throw a pity party. It doesn't help you get to feeling better when you throw a pity party, but we do it, and and it's real easy after two years of a pandemic of isolation and, and woe is me and, and now a hurricane has blown everything away, it'd be real easy. 
I mean, we've got, we've got pain brought on by all this. We've got pressure from people. We've got people uh, in our lives. Somebody said, you know, life would be pretty good if it wasn't for people sometime. And, and we've got problems. We've got all these things, and it'd be real easy to have a pity party. But we're going to uh, look at uh, how we can not do that because all those things, people, problems, pain, all that can take away your happiness and your joy if you let it. And I want you to write something down. I want you to write this down. Happiness is not a, it's not a, it's not a blank, but just write it down. Happiness is a choice. Uh, a guy that was one of the pioneers of Christian psychology, Paul Meyer, Dr. Paul Meyer, wrote a book named Happiness is a Choice years ago. And, and, uh, and the whole premise is this, happiness isn't based on circumstances. It's not based on what other people do. It's, 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 it's based on a choice. It's not something you go looking for. It's not something that just happens. It's something you create. It's something you choose to have. Now, I, I, I want to tell you this. Uh, you may not like this or not, but uh, you can, it's on the next slide. You're as happy right now as you want to be. And that's kind of the premise. We get to choose whether we're going to be happy or not. And, and there's a process of that. You can't blame other people for your unhappiness. You can't blame even a hurricane or a pandemic or, or regardless of, of what, what's happened. You can't blame pressures put on your people or, or any of the problems in your life. We're as happy as we choose to be. Now, I know for some, we've got chemistry. You know, there's, there are chemical causes of depression. It can be a, a chemical depression. It can be a thyroid or a pituitary gland. Those are things you need a doctor for, and I believe in medicine. So don't hear me wrong. I believe in medicine. Luke who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, was a physician. And, uh, and so I believe in, in that. And, you know, I've, I've got doctors that, that I know that love the Lord and, and are thanking God for the ability he's given them. But, but uh, we've got we've to learn to deal with this. One of the biggest mistakes we made, if chemistry is not the issue, is we do this when and then thinking. And, and when and then thinking goes like this. When this happens, I'll be happy. When this happens, then I'll be happy. When I marry him, then I'll be happy. Then when I divorce him, I'll be happy. When, when I get this new job, I'll be happy. I've heard people say, oh, when I can have children, I'll be happy. And then a little while later, you hear them, oh, when the kids move out, I will be happy. When they start paying their own bills, that never happens, I don't think. But I'll be happy, you know. And, and so we got this when and then thinking. Let me tell you, when and then thinking will never make you happy. You will never be happy. So we're going to learn to get around that. Now, we're going to look in uh, Philippians 1. And so let me give you a little background about this. In the, in the previous four years before Paul wrote chapter 1 of Philippians here, he had been, uh, he'd had a rough four years. We've had a rough two years. But Paul spent two years in jail in Caesarea on false charges. So false charges, two years in jail. Then he was shipwrecked while selling to Rome for another trial under Nero, who was a Caesar at the time. And then uh, because of that shipwreck, he was stranded on a desert island for a little while. Then gathering firewood, he got bitten by a poisonous snake. Remember, he shook the snake off in the fire, and he lived. I mean, he's having a bad four years. I mean, uh, you know, finally he got to Rome. They threw him in prison, a dungeon of a prison, and chained him to a guard 24 hours a day. And uh, so, I mean, and then later, just so you... The story does have a good ending. Later, they executed him. Paul went to heaven two, a couple years later. And, uh, and so Paul had every reason to be discouraged. He had every reason to be unhappy. 
He had every reason to be angry with God. I mean, he, it, Paul was a faithful servant. And we get this theology today that if we're faithful, only good things are going to happen. Paul's life rebutes that. There was nobody more faithful than Paul. And yet he went through hard times. And, uh, and I, I mean, just imagine being chained to a guard the whole time. Uh, you know, just when you think it couldn't get any worse, they, they handcuff you to a dude that's carrying a sword that doesn't like you, that, you know, all this stuff. And, and so while during this time, you know, uh, Paul could have thrown a pity party, but instead he wrote what we have, we call it the New Testament. Paul wrote most of his letters from prison. And, uh, and so in Philippians 1, 12 through 30, we're going to look at some principles Paul gives us that if we will apply these in our lives, will help us to lead a rich and satisfying life or a happy life. So you can write these down. Number one, you can be happy no matter what you choose if you choose to remember that no matter what happens, God can bring good out of anything. God can bring good out of anything. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that no matter how bad it seems, God can bring good? Look what he said in, in Romans eight twenty eight. Paul said, and we know. And let me tell you something. He didn't say we think. He didn't say I hope. He said we know. Paul knew it because he'd seen God do it in his life. He said that God causes everything. Circle everything. He said he causes everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. The storm, the pandemic, uh, your mama, everybody. I mean, he causes everything to work for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He doesn't say that everything is good. This pandemic has not been good. The storm was not good. You losing your house is not good. You losing your car, your boat, whatever it is, none of that's good, but he says good can come out of it. Good can come out of it. Is it, is it good that we didn't have electricity for weeks? And, and uh, No, but you know what? We got, we got a couple families in this church been feeding linemen that are down here working and sharing Jesus with them. We've got, got people in here witnessing to people all over the place that would not get witnessed to otherwise. So can good come out of that? Absolutely it can. See, knowing, knowing this truth that, that God brings good out of bad is why David could say in Psalm 34.1, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. Now I want you to look at that verse in your outline and I want you to underline or circle I will. David made a decision. He made a decision. He said, I will praise that. David wrote half these psalms when he was running for his life. Or when he was guarding sheep out in a lonely field. He said, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. How can you do that? How, how can you make a decision to praise the Lord when there's a tree on your car? How can you, how can you make a decision? How do we do that? Write this down. We've got to learn to look at things from God's perspective and not our own. We've got to learn to look at life from God's perspective and not our own. See, his perspective is bigger. And this isn't a one-time deal where you just say, okay, God, I'm going to look at it from... This is every day. This is every minute of every day. When things I encounter, I've got to look at this from God's perspective. What is he trying to teach me? What is he wanting me to do? And, and not my own. See, happy people have a larger view of life than people who are unhappy. People who are unhappy have this short-term, small view and, and all this, and, and happy people have a bigger view. They, they, they don't see the pain, the people, the pressure. They see past that and see that God's working in their lives. 
Paul gave a great example of this. I mean, his life is a great example of this. In verse 12, he said, I want you to know. Paul said, look, I want you to know something. Everybody's, everybody's you know, think about it. If I was in prison, I hope y'all would feel bad for me. If I was in prison for Jesus, now if I went and robbed something, y'all be going, that dirty dog, he got what he deserved, you know. But I mean, you know, um, and it, but Paul's in prison, and people are probably feeling bad. But here's what he said, I want you to know something. I want you to know something, my dear brothers and sisters. Because everybody's praying for Paul to get out. Paul said this, that everything, he said, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, everything, the false accusations. The, the time in prison, being shipwrecked, snake bit, falsely accused, and now being chained to a guard. Everything that's happened to me here has helped spread the good news. See, that's a different perspective. I mean, how many of us would have that attitude? I might be going, oh, God, get me out of here. Paul's going, make me bolder, make me bolder. You know what I mean? Paul just, you know, he's he's got a different perspective. Now, Paul had dreamed of going to Rome and, and preaching. And Paul wanted to go to Rome. And uh, now he probably envisioned having crusades, okay, <laughs> you know. But God's vision was that he'd be chained to a guard. He'd be chained to a guard, a prisoner of Nero. And uh, let me tell you, the guards he was chained to, uh, these were the elite guards. I mean, the best of the best were in, in the palace. The best of the best. He was, a, he was a royal prisoner. He wasn't just in a county jail in Rome. He was a royal prisoner waiting to see Nero. And so these guards, these Roman guards, are the best. They're all influential. And he was chained to them. And, and they, they did four-hour shifts on Paul, which means that over two years, Paul had a chance to talk to 4,380 different guards. And I want to ask you something. Who y'all think was the prisoner? It was the guards because Paul started talking to them. Paul was witnessing to them. Paul was writing all these letters and, and talking while he's writing them and and these guys are, I mean, these guys are hearing the gospel. Matter of fact, Philippians 4 talks about a lot of people in Nero's own family were coming to faith in Christ. And, and uh, so you went from Nero to Constantine, where Constantine got converted and declared the whole empire, Christian empire, you know. And, uh, and so you've got Nero, people in the, in, the, in the palace are coming to faith in Christ because Paul's leading these guards to faith in Christ. Imagine these big old tough guards, these Roman soldiers. And they're all of a sudden talking about Jesus and, 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 and talking about, you know, all this stuff about how they've been forgiven and, and all that. And, and this prisoner told me about it. And, uh, and, and imagine that. And so Paul is talking to these guys, and it's making a difference. You know, so some of Nero's family and, and very influential people came to faith in Christ because Paul was chained to the guards. You might call that a chain reaction. I mean, you know, some of y'all paying attention. Secondly... While Paul was forced to sit in prison instead of running around preaching, he wrote most of the New Testament. I don't know if we'd have had the Bible if God hadn't have set him down for a while. You know, we might not have a New Testament if Paul had been able to do what Paul was thinking. But see, Paul's plan wasn't God's plan. And he, used, he, he submitted to God's plan. We have all these writings, all this theology from Paul. And so if we want to be happy, we've got to realize that God brings good out of bad. Say that with me. God brings good out of bad and we've got to get a bigger picture we've got to get a bigger picture by the way anytime you face problems with faith it's a witness to unbelievers uh, it's a witness when you face problems with faith it's a witness to unbelievers philippians 1 he said for everyone around here including all the soldiers at the barracks 
knows that I'm in chains because I'm a Christian. They knew Paul wasn't in there for breaking some law. He wasn't in there for robbing, stealing, killing. He was in there because he loved Jesus. And, and these people in the palace and, in the, and the soldiers are going, this is important to this guy. Just imagine, he's in prison because he loves Jesus. There must be something to it. If he's willing to be in this condition and die, they knew he was going to die, uh, you know, and, and so it was a great witness. Also, when, anytime you face problems with faith, it's an encouragement to other believers. It's an encouragement to other believers. He says here then in verse 14, he said, Because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians here seem to have lost their fear of change. They were getting bolder. He says, somehow my patience has encouraged them, and they've become more and more bold in telling other people about Jesus. When we, you know, it's just contagious. When you see somebody sharing their faith through a tough time, it's, it's inspiring. I mean, it's inspiring. He said, man, if he can do that in that situation, I can do this here. And, uh, and, and so uh, it, it encourages other Christians. As we respond to pressures, problems, and people in our lives, with God's perspective, it's a witness to the unbelievers, and it's going to encourage each of us. That's why it's important to be together, to share praise reports and, and stuff. You're not bragging. It's just what God does. It's what God does. Number two, write this down. You can be happy no matter what. If no matter what happens, you never let others control your attitude. You, you, just, you don't let anybody control your attitude. You know, I remember a story I read about a guy who was walking down the, the street, a couple of guys, and and they were talking, and, and, and he came up to a newsstand. He wanted to buy a paper, and he bought a paper, and the guy was rude to him. And, and, and the guy tipped him after he was rude. And, uh, and, and the guy that was with him said, man, why were you nice to that guy after the way he treated you? He said, I determined a long time ago I was not going to let someone else decide how I was going to respond to people. He said, we can't let other people control our actions, our words, or our attitudes. And, uh, and so we just, you can't let that happen. And Philippians 1, 15 and 16, Paul is going to describe four kinds of people that we're all going to have in our lives. He talks, about, he talks about critics. He talks about companions, competitors, and challengers. And, and three out of the four of these will suck the happiness and joy right out of your life. So let's look at them real quick. One, he talks about critics in verse 15. He says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. See, Paul had people who were jealous of him. These are critics. I know we went by that blank real quick. Some of y'all are looking at me. Paul had people that were jealous of him. They were critical of him. They were contentious, divisive, and, and critical of Paul and critical of his teachings. Some people were trying to teach different than him. And, uh, and there are people that do this today. They use social media to stir things up, bait people into controversy. Some of y'all have fallen for that bait. I've fallen for it at times. They'll say something controversial, or, or they'll get to... Uh, condemning somebody or, you know, uh, criticizing somebody and, and they'll bait you into joining into that. And, and they do it a lot of times because they're jealous and they want to mess you up. They want to mess your influence up. And so um, let me tell you, criticism can suck the joy right out of your life. But you've got to learn this. And I want you to write this down somewhere in the side of your notes. You don't need other people's approval or permission to be happy. You don't need my permission to be happy. You don't need my approval to be happy, and I don't need yours. You've got to make that choice. Happiness is a choice. I want you to get that in your mind. The second group Paul talks about are, are companions. Companions. These are people who care. These are people who, 
or actually carries it. Others preach Christ with pure motive. They preach because they love me. See, these are friends of Paul's, and, and we all need people like that in our lives. We need friends that we can fall back on, a core group of people that will love us no matter what, that, uh, you know, that we can depend on. We, you don't have to have a bunch of them, but you do need some. And we believe you can form those uh, sitting around a table eating here. You know, we, we form friendships we do in that. Maybe it's uh, working on, on, a, uh, on a, an event like the fall festival or being part of a small group or being on a worship team or with greeters or whatever. You develop some camaraderie. You do, develop friendships that are a little bit better, a little deeper. And, and these people can be a source of encouragement to you. Another group he talked about were competitors. He said these, these others don't have pure motives. They preach with selfish ambition. These are people that they just want to win. They wanted to, to be better than Paul. They wanted Paul's spot. Uh, you know, and, and, and they're driven by ego. They don't care about you. They just want to win. They want to beat you. And, uh, and they'll put you down to make themselves look good. Whether you're a business person, a homemaker, teenager, competitors, they'll try and compete with you by saying, look, look at that. My house is better than your house. My car is newer than your car. I got a bigger paying job than you do. Whatever it is. And if, and if you let them... They will rob your happiness from you. But you can be happy. Why? Because happiness is a what? Choice. It's a choice you make. You don't let these people steal your happiness. It, then Paul talked about challengers. And, and these are people just, you know, some people don't like you. Don't matter what you do. Don't matter what you don't do. Paul had some of those people. And, and he said in verse 17, they think they will make more trouble for me while I'm in prison. He said they're... They're preaching out of vain conceit and all this, trying to make more trouble. From, in other words, they're kicking him while he's down. And, uh, and, and, and some people actually want to stir up trouble for other people. They, they, it might be somebody in your neighborhood. They're just not happy unless they're stirring up the neighbors. You get those people in churches. They're just not happy unless they're causing controversy. They'll gossip and say things and, and do all that. And, and so we're going to have all four of these kinds of people in our lives. We've got to learn how. To, to deal with them. So look at Paul's attitude here in dealing with all this. Look at Paul's attitude, verse 18. He said, but it doesn't matter. What doesn't matter? That why they're preaching. He said, it doesn't matter why they're preaching. The important thing is that in every way, whether for the right reason or the wrong reason, they're preaching, preaching about Christ. See, he, he said, look, they might be wanting to make themselves look good. They might be wanting to make me look bad, but if they're preaching Jesus, I'm happy. And so that's what he says, so I'm happy. And I will continue to be happy. I want you to look at that. He said, I am happy. It's a choice. And I will continue to be happy. See, he, he didn't, didn't, it didn't, wasn't caused by something. These people are trying to make him look bad. He said, I'm happy. I'm happy. Let me tell you, that, that can happen. Sometimes, sometimes it, you know, when strife is going on, it's just not fun. And we've been through that in ministry here and other places, you know, and and it's just like, you know, but you, we'll, we'll just have to retreat back and say, you know what, we get to preach the gospel. We get to love on people. We get to do things, and this is what we can. Might not be able to do this, but we get to do this. And, and so we need to understand that that was Paul's attitude. I, I mean, and the more blessed you get, the more critical people are going to be of you. I mean, people criticize Joel Osteen. They'll say, oh, well, he's, he's gospel light or whatever. Joel reaches people that I'll never reach. Joel, he's only got about 40,000 people in his church. I mean, 
my goodness. And, and the people that criticize him usually have four or 500 people in their church. You know, and, or, or they'll criticize Rick Warren. I mean, his Easter service is in a baseball stadium. You know, I mean, 70,000 people. I mean, uh, but, but he got cri- criticized because a few years ago he joined with Muslims, Buddhists, anybody that was fighting AIDS, Rick Warren would partner with to fight AIDS in, in Africa and uh, made, a big, made a big impact with that. But people criticized him. They criticized Andy Stanley, Chris Hodges, all these, the Stephen Furtick with Elevation Worship. I mean, they'll, they'll criticize these guys. Why? Because they're successful. And, and you become a target. People used to criticize Billy Graham. They said, oh, he just preaches the same sermon. And he did. He preached the same sermon for 60 years. That you're a sinner. Jesus died for your sin. Accept Jesus and you'll be saved. I mean, that's it. You know, I mean, he did different illustrations around it, but that was his message. And, uh, and, and there's millions of people know Jesus because of Billy Graham. Listen, don't worry about what people think about you. Because they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. You got to understand that. And so why bother? Why let it bother you? Paul said this, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will serve as a sign to them they're going to be destroyed, but that you're going to be saved even by God himself. Even by God himself. Philippians 1.28. I mean, people are going to say mean things about you because you're a Jesus follower. They may call you a Bible thumper. People do. They may say you hate women because you're pro-life. I mean, they might even call you something ugly like a Republican or something like that. I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, look, and we got we to gotta get, the church can't be, Jesus is bigger than Republicans or Democrats. Let me just tell you. He's bigger than the United States of America. I mean, and people are going, but people are going to attack you for one reason or another because you follow Jesus. You got to understand that. And, uh, and, and so people said mean things to Jesus, they're going to say mean things to us. But Jesus said this, blessed are you when people persecute you because of me. So when people are saying those mean things, you just go, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Somebody one time said you can't fix stupid. So, I mean, we'll just move on from there. But anyway, yeah, Paul goes on to explain how to be happy. He said, for you've been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. I hate to break it to you this morning. I know there's TV preachers that say that when you become a Christian, God's got to give you all this stuff, you know, and, and everything's going to go smooth. That's not true. I mean, if, if it were, Paul would still be alive. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, but he says, he said, you've been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but the privilege of suffering for him. Then he says this, we're in this struggle together. Folks, that's why it's good to be in a room together with people. If one of you is going through a hard time, people can come around you and love on you. We're in this together. We want to walk through this with you. We're a family, and we're in this struggle together. It rains on the just and on the unjust. And, and folks, when we're in the rain, uh, there's a lot of support when we're together. There's a lot of support when we're together. God said he'll never leave us nor abandon us, but he, he, he's going to walk through it with us. He doesn't rescue us from the struggle. Let me tell you, if you live for other people's approval, you know, if you get your happiness because of they, how many times they like you or how many friends you have on Facebook or thumbs up on Instagram or whatever, then if you're going to live for other people's approval, you'll die for their disapproval. We can't let our approval. You're never going to be happy if you're looking for other people's approval. You've got to learn you don't need their approval to be happy. Happiness is a choice, and you're as happy as you choose 
to be. So no matter what happens, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, no matter what happens, always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. You want to be in the middle of God's will? Develop an attitude of gratitude. Learn how to be thankful, not for something. Not, I'm not thankful that I caught COVID, I'm, I, but I can be thankful in it. That it wasn't any worse than it was. That God brought me through it. That, that whatever, you know. And, uh, and so uh, we've got to understand that. So first, uh, we can be happy when we remember that God brings good out of anything. Secondly, we never let others control our attitudes. Thirdly, you can be happy no matter what. If no matter what happens, you trust God to always work things out. You trust God to always work things out. God will always work things out for you. We either face things with fear or faith. You know, you'll either worry or you'll worship. You'll either panic or you'll pray. But we need to face things with faith, in prayer, and with worship. Paul said in verse 18 of Philippians, he said, It doesn't matter what their motives are, false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. See, Paul said he's going to continue to rejoice. Now, you might say, well, how could he say that? Verse 19. He said, for I know as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Let me break that verse down for you. Because he gives us four things that give him strength. One, he said, for I know. Circle that. He's got God's perspective. He knows God's in trouble, in charge. He knows God is going to deliver him. He knows. Then he knows people are praying for him. He says, as you pray. Now, Paul's speaking faith. He was in prison. He's in a dungeon, chained to a guard. Uh, you know, he's, 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 got, he's got somebody, you know, with a sword and, and, and body odor and all that stuff that he's chained to that doesn't like him, and, and, and he, but he feels people praying for him. And then, then he said, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He's got the Holy Spirit helping him. He said, the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. Folks. And then he's got faith that God's going to work it out. He said, this will lead to my deliverance. Now, you say, well, you just said, didn't you just say Paul got executed? That meant he went to heaven. See, Paul, Paul wasn't looking at just this world. I'll get to that in a minute. That's good stuff. Verse 20, he says this. When we, when we trust God, when we can't see the end, let me tell you something. But you trust God, it'll give you hope, and it'll give you happiness. Verse 20 said, And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but, I will, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. Paul's in prison. Paul's suffering. And he says, I don't want to be ashamed. I want to be courageous. It's my, my hope that I will not dishonor God in my body, in my speech, in my actions. Man, whether by life or by death. He wanted to honor God in his death or in his living. Folks, let me tell you. I mean, he, Paul's saying, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know uh, if I'm going to be executed or not. I don't know if they're going to feed me to the lions. I don't know if they're going to crucify me upside down like they did Peter. Paul knows how Peter died. You know I mean? He, he's going, I don't know, uh, you know, what they're going to do. I have a feeling it's not going to turn out well that way, but I'm trusting God. And that's what he did. I mean, Hebrews 10.35 says this, Don't let this happy trust in the Lord die away no matter what happens. Remember your reward. Paul, your reward. Paul had his eyes fixed on the goal. Paul had his eyes fixed on the reward, 
in heaven that he was going to get. See, when you see the big picture, you see beyond the guard chained to you. You see beyond the sword that's fixing to fall across your neck. You see into heaven, and you see your reward, and that's where Paul was. You've got to have that long-term perspective. If not, all you do is see problems, and you see pressures, and you'll never be happy. He said, don't let your happy trust slip away. Let me tell you, happiness and trust go together. If you don't trust in God, you'll never be happy. If you don't have a trust in God, you'll never be happy or joyful. You can't be happy without trusting the Lord. You must choose to trust God just like you've got to choose to be happy. I believe you can be happy when you remember God can bring good out of anything. You can be happy, number two, when you don't let others control your attitude. You can be happy when you trust God to work things out, number four. You can be happy no matter what. If no matter what happens, you focus on your purpose and not on your problem. You focus on your purpose and not on your problem. Focus on your purpose. Man. Paul, when he wrote this, remember, he's in prison. He's in prison. And he's saying, hey, you you got to you got to stay focused. And look what he said. I mean, he's chained to a guard 24-7, different one. He's, he's witnessing to him. I mean, he's got to eat. If he's chained with his right hand, he's got to learn to eat with his left hand. Guard, you know, well, I won't talk about the bathroom situation. But anyway, um, he's chained up. He said, but if by, look what he said in verse 22. If by continuing to live, I can do more worthwhile work, then I am not sure which I should choose. He said, I'm pulled in two directions. I want very much to leave this life and be with Christ, which is far better. Let me tell you something, folks. Heaven is going to be good. I mean, I'm not wanting to go there this minute, but it's going to be good. Okay? And that's what Paul's saying. He said, I'm, I'm ready. I, 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 I want to be with Jesus. You know, I want to be with Jesus, what he's saying. He said, but for your sake, it's much more important that I remain alive. He said, I'm sure of this, and I know so I know that I'll stay, and he did for a couple years. I'll stay on with you all and add to your progress and joy in the faith. In other words, I'm going to add value to your life. That's what Paul's saying. Paul, see, he was ready for heaven. I mean, he had a purpose to live and a purpose to die. He said, he said to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm, I'm, to die is I get to be with Jesus, and to live, I'm going to share Jesus. And, and he was there to, to make him strong. So let me tell you, happiness doesn't come from being selfish. doesn't come from self-gratification. Doesn't come from living for yourself. Doesn't come from trying to find yourself. Doesn't come from being self-centered. Happiness comes from self-sacrifice, living for the benefit and glory of God, and in order to serve other people. Happiness comes from serving God. Paul sums it up in this one verse. I'm about to land this airplane. He says, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. See, Paul's basically saying, hey, look, if I, get, if I die, I get to go be with the Savior who loved me. The Savior who saved me, who died on a cross for my sin. The Savior who gave me a mission and a purpose in life. The Savior that I get to spend eternity with. He wasn't afraid to die. He wasn't afraid to die. And if he was going to live, he was going to be serving Christ. Let me, let me ask, I, put, I know some of y'all looking at me. You got another blank. I want you to fill it out. It says, for me to live is blank. Now, let me just tell you before you write something down. If you write the wrong thing, you might write hobby, my Saints football, more money, bigger house, 
want to get a house, get the approval of others, FEMA, whatever, write the wrong thing down there, you'll never find happiness. You'll never find, you'll never find happiness. You put the wrong thing in that blank. There's only one answer that leads to happiness. And you can get that settled. I'm going to pray a prayer. I want everybody to bow your heads right now. I want you to pray this with me silently. I actually meant to put it up on the screen so we could repeat it together. But just, I'm going to pray it slow. You pray it with me silently in your heart. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Dear Jesus, you know that I often let my circumstances determine my happiness. God, I've often allowed the happiness thieves of pain, problems, pressures, and picky people rob me of my happiness but I don't want that to be true anymore starting today Jesus I want to practice these four principles how to be happy no matter what happens they're Paul help me to remember that you have a good plan even out of the bad things that happen in my life that you can turn bad into good help me to remember that your viewpoint is key Help me to look at everything in my life from your perspective, God. I want to be a wise man, wise woman. I want to handle the situations that come into my life in a way that's a witness to non-believers and an encouragement to believers. Father, help me remember that what other people say and what other people do does not control my happiness unless I allow it. Help me to remember that the things that I don't understand and the things I can't figure out, I don't have to. I don't have to have the answers to trust you. Lord, I want to trust you to work it all out for good. Help me stay focused on your purpose and not my problems. God, I want to use the rest of my life in serving you and serving others. Then I want to spend eternity in heaven with you this day on I'm going to fill in the blank for me to live will be Christ for me to live will be Christ just say that with me to live is Christ let's make that personal for me to live is Christ say that with me for me to live Jesus, I just pray we pray this prayer together. Lord, you'll help us to live these principles. That you'll help us to honestly live every day. To live is Christ. Lord, let everything we do be living for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed with me, I'd love for you to check that off on your connection card as you get ready to turn that in at the doors we'll have an usher at each door let's not leave here in despair and anxiety let's remember these things let's live these things let's let, let God's perspective be our perspective amen I hope that touched you this morning we're going to sing a worship song as the band comes up and um, we'll leave with worship and uh, we'll see you out front after that. We want to say happy birthday to Miss Jenny.
Today is Miss Jenny's birthday. We sang happy birthday to her as she walked in, but why don't we sing to her now? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Miss Jenny. Happy birthday to you. Awesome. We love you, Miss Jenny. We also have youth now on Wednesday night, so we invite uh, our youth to come and be a part of the class we have now on Wednesday night.